Well, hi, everybody. Welcome to a special edition of Behind the Curtain. What a treat this is, because while this is my chance to step away from the television world where I cover politics and all that stuff, on the podcast, we get to talk about theater, arts, and entertainment. And I want you to meet a living icon. It's not just what I'm saying. It's what Porchlight Music Theater and a lot of other people say. Joining me for this interview, and we're going to be together again at, at a special gala coming up. We'll tell you about that, is the legendary, living legend, I don't know how many other ways to say legend, Ben Vereen. Ben, <laughs> good to see you. And it's lovely to be from behind the curtain. <laughs> right? How theatrical is that? Now, you are, <laughs> you are doing this from I feel like I'm doing, I feel like I'm doing the Oz and the Wizard of Oz. Who's yeah. behind the curtain? It is oh, I, that's right. That's wizard. your background, too. <laughs> I think Joel Gray said he's better than me. <laughs> Joel. I love Joel. <laughs> so here, and Joel and I have talked here as well. So, Ben, you're in Romania. Why? Yes. Why? Yeah. Well, I, I, um, I, why? <laughs> I'm, there's a, a couple of reasons. I don't know if I'm eight. Can I tell them why I'm here? Oh, maybe it's a secret. I'm, it's a big. Announce. We, can we, announce. What? You can't announce. I can't announce. Oh, okay. Okay. I am here filming. He's filming. I'm filming here in Romania. I okay. was you. I'm here looking for my ancestors from back in 1804. You see, they came to Romania from Africa, and they were nobles in Africa, and they decided to live here in Transylvania. So therefore, I'm tracing <laughs> the bloodline through Dracula's cabin. <laughs> was that Ben Vereen's acting at its finest? Uh, yes. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love life. Life is good, Paul. You know that? Well, you well, the life you've had is amazing. Now, you and I, Ben, are and going I'm to get to talk. Audiences, thank you. I thank you, audiences. You know, people say that to me. Yes, life is good. My life is good because of your audiences that are tuning in right now and have come to see me throughout the years. That's why my life is good. So thank you. Thank you all. You know? But I do want to ask you, so you get this phone call letting you know uh, that you were getting what is called the Icon Award from Porchlight. Now, people in the past, Cheetah Rivera, uh, Joel Gray. My friend. My friend. What, when you look back on your life, I mean, did you ever come to the point, you're a young man in his 80s now, but did you ever come to the point where you looked and say, one day I am the legend, I am the icon? Was that your dream when you were admiring Sammy Davis Jr. as a young kid? I didn't know what a legend was. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't enter this business for legendary uh, uh, accolades. I entered this business because I could get a job. <laughs> you know, it was about the fact that I could work. I bet it. You know, my book's gonna be interesting because I really didn't enter this uh, industry knowing what this industry was all about. I was this young kid who was snatched off the street. So I went to the. You know, got a. I was fortunate enough to. Uh, go to the high school for the performing arts, yeah. you know, with people like, you know, teachers, people like uh, Norman uh, uh, Walker, uh, David Woods, uh, uh, Levinsky. And uh, from my street in Brooklyn, we didn't know who these people were. And sitting at the desk right there for my, at my audition were people like Martha Graham, Jerome Robbins, uh, um, Arthur Mitchell. Uh, you know, these, these people were really strange looking for a kid from Brooklyn. And uh, I'm, my background is really the church, the streets, 
And so this world that we talk about, legendary, is a new uh, vocabulary or, or dynamic in my in my stratosphere. I'm I'm grateful. I'm, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm so grateful when people come up to me and say you're a legend. I go like really. <laughs> now we go to look up legend. <laughs> Well, maybe it was because the sensational twilight started it all for you. Sensational twilights of Brooklyn. You know about that. I do. Yeah. We were we were really good. I admired a guy named Sam Cook. Oh yeah. I would sing all these you know, where was a woman in the Bible days. She had been sick for so very long. <laughs> so you grow up in the fifties, the sixties, but here's the thing your parents, as I as I read about them. Um, James and Pauline, they were not, I mean, you grew up in a rough time, right? I mean, in, in terms of civil rights and those kinds of eras, but they weren't driven by that. They didn't propel you and put you in that world, really. That was the world going on around me. Yeah. Uh, my parents, as you know them, Pauline and James, were, were workers. They were hard. I guess you call them domestics. They didn't well, have your mom time. Worked in a th- your mom worked no, in a theater, they, right? They didn't, have, they didn't have time. They didn't have time to be concerned about world affairs, let's say, put it that way, or events. You know, I can remember James taking me, my father, taking me to Ebbets Field and us not being able to afford to go inside and wait outside for Jackie Robinson to knock a ball over the wall. That was that was a big event for us. But yeah. for as far as politics, it was never discussed in my home. It wasn't until I got out into the world and saw how it was affected when Kennedy was assassinated. It was I was what fourteen years old, walking down the street and noticing how dead everything was, silent. And I said, "There's something going on." But it wasn't discussed at my table. Oh, you know the president's been assassinated. No, it was like. <laughs> well, well, you, you going to work tomorrow? Yeah, what time? Six o'clock. Okay, I'll get you some. I'll get you. I'll make some sandwiches for you. <laughs> <laughs> but you grew into it, and you and and all the stuff. It, it had to affect you. But I, I, I do want to. We only have it affected me like it affects all of us. Yeah, we, political dom, uh, dominant dominant world, you know, and we set up a spiritually dominated world. We talk about it, but we don't live it. We pray about it. We build churches and synagogues and mosques and all types of religious places in order to worship that which we praise, but we do not live it because we're politically conscious people. I think it was Bob Dylan said, it's we live in a political world. And it's true. We do. So how can you not be affected by what's going on? Out there by politics, you yourself, you as a newscaster, you have to watch. You know what blows my mind about what your your job is that you get to watch the news. And I was sitting with, I just came back from a place called Bali. You know Bali? Yeah, oh yeah, Bali. And I just came from like ninety five degree weather to L A. You know, and it's supposed to be like ninety degree. It was thirty five degrees <laughs> in L A. And and on the news. Climate. Climate, there's no climate, climate control, uh, uh, damage. Uh, so on the news that day, some guy had been shot 
uh, some, something had happened in the con- another country, and they were reading it with such, as you do, news. And I turned to the lady and I said, how can you, because after being in a place like Bali, which is mostly, on every corner there is not a liquor store. There are altars on every corner. And they don't care what religion you are, just give praise for your life. As I came after living in that environment, I came back into what we do. And I, and I asked the question, I said, how can you read the news without being affected by what's going on? She said, and you know, you have to dismiss your emotions in order to give the news so that people can do their reactions to them. But we live in a political world. We, you know, we, we cannot help but be affected by my job as an entertainer is to as an artist, I have the privilege of taking you to the fantasy and dismissing that world and let you feel that spiritual thing inside. And that's a wonderful thing. We tell stories. Isn't that great? You think it's I, important that that energy, I wasn't going to ask you this, but it's kind of triggering from what you're saying. When you think of the times we're living in now, and I'm not putting you in the world of politics, but over the years, when you had, I know Sammy Davis Jr. was a, an icon for you and, and, and me, by the way. I mean, he was unbelievable. But those moments where, where the careers of certain entertainers like Sammy Davis got challenged because they, they hugged Richard Nixon uh, or they hugged Ronald Reagan uh, or those kinds of moments. Do you think it's important that entertainers stay out of that world or do you think that they should have a voice when it comes to, to politics, perhaps like a Harry Belafonte? It's, it's not... That we, we are, as I said, live in a political world. As an entertainer, it's like everybody, you know, we all are affected in one way or another. Why is it our voices? Look, that's an arena that is very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's, uh, we place ourselves in positions but we try to express our feelings or our particular point of views, and we get slapped, not by the politics, but by our own people, by the people. Instead of saying, aha, they're making their point of view. That's good for them. All right? Let I support it. I don't support it. We should put us down because of it. You know, that's, I don't know. Is that the American way? Freedom of speech? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know I don't think anybody knows anymore, Ben, to be honest with you. Uh, really? <laughs> well, look at the life, look at the world we're living in today, right? I mean, it, everything is upside down and, and it just, you know. Um, I have a banner that I like to carry with me. And the banner says, nobody cares. Really? Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> what, what does that mean? What does that mean to you? Well, it means that nobody cares, man. We live in a world that's upside down. You know it's upside down. I know it's upside down. But what are we going to do about it? Nobody cares. Nobody well, but, cares. Wait, but, we, now, listen. If we cared, we do something about it. And I'm not saying people aren't doing anything about it. They are, but we're separate, separated in various little pockets and groups, and we're screaming about the same thing, but we're separated instead of uniting ourselves together saying, let's make the world a better place for everybody. But no, it's got to be about this. It's got to be about that. It's got to be about the other. That's about life, and life is good. What happened to equality for everybody? Do we even talk about that word anymore? Are we even striving for that? About What about freedom that we've all fought and died for? 
doesn't have any value at all. You know, nobody cares. <laughs> but I'll tell you, when there are those moments, when there's a disaster and a tragedy and the and performers come together and do a concert exactly. and raise money, man, that changes the world. Yeah, it does. But does the world stay changed? No. No, no, no. I was a, I'm a first responder to 9-11. I watched people run across the bridge from the towers. I watched the second plane hit my city. I watched the towers roll across the city. I saw the people of New York running for their lives. I ran across the bridge. I stayed down to ground zero for three weeks. I got a call from it today. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares. <laughs> it, well, I, I remember I went to ground zero weeks after. You're right. That's I went to ground zero some weeks afterwards. And man, you, you're not kidding. That smoke, that whatever, it was there weeks and weeks. Yeah, but what are we doing to make sure it never happens again worldwide? I don't know. You know, this is that we're, we're getting off the conversation entertainment. I'm sorry. Well, but, no, that, you know, it's about life. Yeah. Life is supposed to be good. You know, I, you know, I, I'm not saying that my, I've been all, life is life. And we all go through our ups and downs and, and learning our lessons. But in the process of learning our lessons, let's not hurt one another. And we do as human. I know we do. Human. I've hurt people. You know. Well, listen. I, I, as I said, I cover politics on TV, and if you saw the email that I got, and I'm neutral. I don't take positions on the air. I'm an analyst. Yeah. So I, you know, but 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 in come the emails. People hear what they want to hear. I think you're saying the same thing. They don't care. And they just hear what they want to hear. And their mindset. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of emails from this interview. <laughs> but I do want to turn to entertainment because I know people watching this are saying, I want to hear about Bob Fosse. So <laughs> let me ask you a question. Let's go back to 1966. That's when Bob Fosse first comes into your life. Mm-hmm. And 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 so, I mean, the way I, I mean, I, I'm one of those people, I, I, I'm a huge Fosse fan, whatever. You, you, you know a Fosse dance when you see it. You know his choreography. When you yeah. first met him in the 60s, was he Bob Fosse? Oh, yeah. He was very much Bob Fosse. He was very much Bob Fosse. Smoked a cigarette, his Campbell cigarettes, whatever. And oh, yeah. Smooth. He was, you know, my first audition. I first time I, matter of fact, the first Broadway show I saw was Sweet Charity. That's right. And, uh, yeah, and... Uh, because he got me tickets. And uh, when he demonstrated the dance for all of us dancers, like the opening of all that jazz, I'm jumping all over the place, all the dancers, all the male dancers all over the world. I'd never been to an audition of that like that at the Palace Theater, which is the Palace Theater in those days. Mm-hmm. And he walked on stage, he's smoking a cigarette, and he demonstrated the dance, and the ashes never fell. He was that smooth. <laughs> wow. He was that smooth. And was my friend became my friend well you also some people may not remember but in the movie Fosse and he was alive when they made the movie Fosse you're in that film as well was that a surreal kind of experience to do that well I'm sorry I'm calling it Fosse all that jazz all that jazz it was great it was great and all that jazz it was wonderful to do that be a part of that film you know uh I I wish I'd had time to do more the only reason I didn't is because I was working in Vegas at the time but he called me and he said, I, 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 will you do this, this bit for me in a movie? I said, sure. And then he called back and said, Ben, I haven't got an ending. He said, so would you come back for this one week and I'll let you go. And, you know, I just need one week to get this ending together three weeks later. <laughs> you know? But that's the way Bob worked. 
Yeah. You know, I think Roy Scheider says it so beautifully in the film. After they do this wonderful airplane piece, they turn and say, that was really good. It was really good. They're all the producers, oh, my God. She said, no, it's not finished yet. It's not finished. One of my first introductions to Ben Vereen was Pippin, and um, uh, which was a moment of theatrical history. It lives on. I've got a video of it. And I mean, it's your role is uh, Pippin was. Oh, my God. (laughs) <laughs> no, I, yeah, I know. I actually, I have the video. Oh, good. No, it's good. And you know what? I'm going to ask you a question that nobody can answer. I even asked Lucy Arnaz, who was in a recent version, and she, she didn't. But you'll know because you were in the original. Here's my question: Playing the role of the grandmother, or Granny, of course, was Irene Ryan, right? Great. There's Great. a line. It, there's a line in her song where she says, "And they will call you Granny." And I asked Lucy, I went, was that a play on the Beverly Hillbillies? And she went, well, I don't think so. But did the audiences had to go nuts? This was Granny. You'll know you were in it with her. They went nuts. They called me Granny. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So, so, but don't, wasn't that, wasn't that an homage to Beverly Hillbillies? That was my question. I I don't think it was written that way. Okay. I think it was just, it came out. And, and, you know, but everyone attached it because she was famous for Beverly Hillbillies. Yeah, exactly right. So. Well, I was just, okay. I've always, I've been convinced that that's what I had to do. I don't, I don't think that Bob said, so you say, or Stephen Schwartz wrote that in there because she was granny from, no, it was because of the fact that Brian would, you know, when they call you granny, you know. Right. Just, that, that's very deep though. I could use that. Let's say, let's say that though. Let's That's go for it. Watch to, to, you know, Irene Ryan. That's, you know, because I loved Irene Ryan. You know, I I got such stories with Irene, you know, hanging out. And she was beautiful. Oh, go well, go ahead and share. Listen to that. A lot of my generation, we, we can, know, can you share one Irene Ryan story? Well, get her in my book. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, I'll be getting the book. When is the book coming out? Uh, we're working on it now. We've got a few things we're working on. Uh, one is a uh, a, a documentary. We did a documentary we're working on, and okay. my daughter, who we just met, Kabar and I, are talking about going doing a podcast. We're going to do a podcast. Uh, oh, fantastic. Because things like that. So we got things we're working on. So the word retirement is not in your vocabulary. What's, what, 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 how do you spell that? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, my, right. my, my godmother, who happened to be a missionary, she used to have a saying. She, you know, she'd sing and she'd do a testimony. And she said, you know, when I die, meet God. God's going to look at me and say, you didn't rust out of life. You worked out of life. Come on in. <laughs> you know, there's, a, there's another, and I, maybe you've heard this. It's said as a joke, but I've heard this a lot lately. And it's in eulogies and things. But where somebody says, somebody passes and they go up to St. Peter or whatever. And St. Peter says, show me your scars. Where are your scars? And the person says, well, I don't have any. And St. Mm-hmm. Peter says, that's unfortunate. It's too bad there was nothing in your life worth fighting for. Mm-hmm. I heard that joke, too. I heard that person came up to St. Peter's. They said, and Peter said, well, come on in. And then another said, you know, well, how did you get to heaven? So I meditated every day. 
I went to the temples every day. So you're a good Christian. Come on in. The Lord said, I just went to the synagogue and I did this. Come on in. And then you hear, you hear in the distance, this guy going bang, boom, 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 down the pike. Yeah, bang, boom, boom. But when he fits the back, thanks to his feet, and he stands up and goes, whoa, what a trip. Let's do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I like your version better. You know, I want to touch on some things. I want people to go, oh, yeah, he did that. So I've got to mention Chicken George and Roots. That had to be one of the most incredible moments of your career. I'm thinking it was. Well, um, yes, yes, yes. It turned out to be that. But that's not the reason why we did uh, Roots. Mm -hmm. Uh, We'll get into it more when when I'm there. But the idea was to... um, when I was going to school, elementary school, there was only one paragraph. You were a slave in Lincoln Frazier. Alex Haley, in his wisdom, after writing Malcolm X and, and interviewing Miles Davis and people like that, he's a journalist himself. He decides to go to Gambia in search of his family, which is in Jufria, uh, a, a Jufere. And, uh, he found his family, he came back and wrote a book, he came across in a steamliner on the hull of a ship in a little book called Roots. And everybody, every African American wanted to be a part of that. And so I was fortunate enough to uh, get that, that role. I didn't know what a Chicken George was because I had never read the book. It was that time it was on uh, Reader's Digest. And I'd heard about it. And I wanted to be a part of it. I was just one of the guys on the ship going, let me out of here. Let me out. I wanted to be a part of it because our, our Holocaust had not been told. You know, when I was growing up on Channel 9, every Sunday there was, uh, on Channel 9, you were reminded of the Holocaust, the Jewish Holocaust. Now, Channel and 9 in Chicago, that's WGN. That's my world, but you don't mean WGN. No, no, no. It's New York. That was when we just began to get four stations. That was back during that time, you know. Uh, there's only three channels at first, ABC, right. and all of a sudden there's another one. And there was the Holocaust every Sunday. But we, here's the thing, Hitler was such a fanatic that he filmed everything. What we have is a word, stories out of our mouths, tell our stories. Mm-hmm. And so it's important that our stories are told so that you know that never let this happen to a people again. After you played that role, and of course you knew Alex Haley, so you worked with with LeVar Burton. I mean, this was your world when that was going on. What impact afterwards did it have on you? Did it then, maybe you were already triggered to find out about your past and your roots, but did did the film, did the series have an impact on you to make you, it it sounds like you live it even today that's never left you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it okay. uh, it'll stay with me forever. And I'm, I'm glad. Uh, we had no idea. It's like you saying legend to me. It's like I'm going. Okay, thank you. Let me look up when it's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> we had no idea the impact that Roots would have. That's not the reason why I did it. I didn't do it because said, no, this is going to be legendary. This is going to be this is important for the world, and everybody needs. I know. I want to do it so that some kid in in, in grade school 
could open up a book or he could, you know, go to his TV, put in a so-called roots and find out about his African roots, his beginning and begin to research his, 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 his uh, legacy or his, his journey, his people's journey and uh, find out who he is in the world and the importance of his contribution to what we call the red, white, and blue, the United States of America, which we're supposed to be, you know? Do you come more alive when you play fictional characters? Or I'm thinking of your your role as Louis Armstrong. And of course, Chicago was very important to Louis Armstrong. Where, where, where does Ben Vereen get the most benefit? In creating a character or in playing a life like Louis Armstrong? And I'm a huge Louis Armstrong fan. Employment. Oh, we'll get there. Okay, that's the honest employment. That's, a, that's an honest answer. It's an honest answer. No, I love, I've been fortunate to play some great people and great characters. And how do I get into those characters? Is, you know, I, you know I'm, I'm offered a role, and then the research starts, finding out about their lives, and then trying to identify my life and their life and bring a performance that's worthy of their life. I hope that I, I, I've done that. Did you know Louis Armstrong? <laughs> you know, suppose because I've met so many great, fabulous people in my life. I did not meet Louis Armstrong. Unfortunately, I did get the opportunity to get close to his life by playing him, and yeah. was that close. But he lost. It. He was. He left before I could shake his hand and thank uh, him. I'm sure and he'd I, have been proud of the proud of the work was, you did. With Dick and George. You know, I went down to um, Henning, Tennessee, and I got to touch my touch my hand on the tombstone of Chicken George and say thank you. Wow. Thank you. If you said to me, where do you love Ben Vereen from? I say everything, but I, I have to go to Broadway in my answer because I'm kind of a Broadway guy. But I, what about you? Is it Broadway? Is it film? Is it television? What do you most identify? And I know they're all your children and you love all your children equally. He's read. <laughs> He's read about me. <laughs> employment. Why you're going to keep going back to you? Keep going back to that because it gives me the opportunity to reach the people I am here to serve, and I hope that I serve well. I'm do I, I do my research and do I I'm I'm in a, I'm in the service business. I'm in the business of serving the people. Making, giving them hope, giving them inspiration, giving them information. And what they do with it, I hope it makes their lives better. That's my job. So employment, hire me and we'll do the best we can in order to make that dream come true. I want to be honest with, I want to be truthful to the story, uh, to the character and for my audiences. I do the best I can. Can I, you know, on stage, we're going to talk a lot about, about your career. It's all about your career and stuff. There was something I came across, and I don't want to ask you on stage, but I'm, I'm wondering if it's okay to ask you here, and, and, and I guess we'll find out. It was your, well, it, it, was, your, it was your performance in Fresh uh, Prince of Bel-Air. Yes. Uh, where, where you pay Lou the distant father and stuff. And without getting into details, I know that there were, you know, moments in your own life with, with your own son and stuff that went on. And I was very curious when I, when I reread your lines from that show, that it almost seemed to be a reflection of the way Ben Vereen felt in real life. Was there any connection between that that you recall? Or was it just coincidence? That piece uh, was a very important piece for a lot of people because of the, the, the reality of that situation. Um, 
that's what it was. There are situations where that, and unfortunately, we have to, you know, we focus on a black family. But I'm sure the white families, the, you know, the other um, uh, uh, races have the same dynamic, except it's more magnified in the black community because I'm a black man. So we look at that situation and we say, pity this goes on. Let's step up to the plate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I had the honor of doing that. Um, I'm not going to answer your question. Yeah. And <laughs> well, I, I want to focus on your career on stage. So that's why I wanted to kind of ask you about that here. But um, if somebody called you tomorrow, a director, and somebody said, Ben, I got to, your answer is going to be employment. <laughs> but if somebody <laughs> called and said, so here's, here's why it, Here's why it doesn't get to be the answer. Somebody calls you and says, hey, I got projects for you. I've got this Broadway show I want you to star in. I have this movie I want you to do. And I have this TV series and they all start tomorrow. Which one are you doing? If there were a way I could, and we're working on it technically, well, I could split myself (laughs) and do it all at one time. If only. You love it. You love it all. Bottom line is you love it all. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. By the way, I have a whole Broadway and whatever collection. Come on over, and I've got Sammy Davis Jr.'s tie and his dance shoes. You're, you're in Chicago. Yes, sir. Yes. Right. You're right by Theaxa. That's right, true. You're at Theaxa Gates, right? By the way, where's that? Theaxa Gates. Am I saying his name right? Yeah, Theaxa Gates. I, I don't know. Artist. He's an artist. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll get him over. We'll bring him over. But... <laughs> But I, I, I just, there's so many Broadway things and whatever that I've got for you. Jerry Lewis is Kane from Damn Yankees on and on. But anyway, we're going to get a chance to be on stage together and, um, and, and talk about <laughs> everything we didn't talk about here. I want, this was to whet people's appetites. Jesus Christ superstar. I mean, I can go on and on. Sweet charity, all the things that you've done, but we're not going to talk about them here because then people say, I don't have to go see them at the Athenaeum Theater. We got to give praise and, and honor to the to the theater for their their keeping the theater alive and the arts alive, and and we must ask the people to please continue to support the arts in this very difficult time. I want to thank you. I'm going to see you on September 8th. This little timer here is going to cut us off, and I don't want to cut you hey, off. Bye, bye, bye. Ben Vereen, I love you, and I'm going to see you on stage, and we're going to chat on September 8th at the Athenaeum Theater. Then bless you, and bye, Kamara. Take care. We'll see you soon. And to your little puppy.